You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and the interview subject you're about to tune into is Will Calhoun. He's the drummer in long-running New York funk metal overlords, the legends, Living Colour. The reason for the conversation is to promote their May 2017 Tour of Australia. So let's have a listen to what Will has to say. Here we go. I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. Um, I've been looking forward to this call, actually, because I I am a bass player. So as you can imagine, uh, drumming is a very important part of what it is that I do as well. So I've got a few questions to ask you around your drumming as well. But, um, mate, I'll I'll kick things off and I'm going to offer you a hearty congratulations on creating some of the most vibrant and eclectic heavy metal in the business. What comes to mind when you look back over the past 30 years or so of recorded music history? Um, I'm... I feel great looking back. I don't mean that in any kind of an arrogant way. I just, I'm, I'm just um, thankful that we stuck to our guns. We didn't compromise on our artwork. We didn't compromise on our songwriting. We didn't compromise on our performance style or our production. And living color is living color. And, I, and that's listening to Vivid Now or Time's Up or Stain, any of those records. Um, I don't have any regrets. So I'm, I'm thrilled to, to be at this stage looking back at it and and we have some more music to make in the future you do indeed what can you tell me about the upcoming album i believe it's titled shade it's it's titled shade it'll be, it will be released in september it, it's very blues based not the whole record but we we did venture off a little bit into a, a bluesier style maybe than the previous records but it's living color it's it's funk, it's rock, it's metal, it's ambient, it's a little ur- urban, a little street. So you can expect a 2017 slash 2018 version of, of Living Color. Wonderful, wonderful. So I first got into heavy metal and hard rock through yourselves, Fishbone, King's X, 24-7 Spies and Faith No More. Do you think that yourselves and the bands that I just mentioned get enough credit from the critics given your contribution to metal and rock? My answer is directly a resounding no. Mm-hmm. Great, actually. Yeah. However, you know, we don't, we don't, cre- we don't create for credit. Um, we create music and, and art, I guess, in general for expression and to be who we are. If sometimes the critics get things, sometimes they don't. I'm sure Miles Davis and Jimi Hendrix and Charlie Parker and many of my other heroes also could have made those same claims. However, um, they are artists that, to me, that stand out. And we, the band you mentioned, we all toured together. We all played together. We um, went in and out of each other's recording sessions. And our, and our ideas at that time were for us to be uniquely ourselves. However, you know, stand in unity of approaching this art form with a different sound in a different uh, sonic sense, a different lyrical sense, and borrow from the bands that inspire us, you know, the, the Led Zeppelin and uh, the Eagles and the Jimi Hendrix Experience Band and, mm-hmm. and, and those kind of artists, and the Beatles and whoever else that you turned on to, and take the music somewhere else. When I listen to King's X, I just, you know, I, I hear so many things. I hear Beatles harmony, I hear yep. Dr. Pepper vibe sometimes, sometimes I hear straight you know, gospel. So, yeah, it's 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 
uh, our recognition may not be as well known as we feel it needs to be, but we're here and we're playing and the music is there and we've created, really, I think, great recordings and have performed many great live shows. And yep. the, the artistic idea is for us to continue. Wonderful. Um, and in my view, uh, and of course many others, Cult of Personality is one of the greatest rock songs ever recorded. Do you still get a massive response from the audience when that song is performed live? Well, first of all, thank you for saying that. And second of all, yes, it is a song that people, that the vibrations of that song, amazingly for us, have triggered a really positive response in people all over the world. And yep. when you, you create something and you're honest about your creation and it has that kind of a response, it's really quite amazing. Yeah. Did you ever. Yes, the answer is yes. We still. We're, we're always shocked by the response of Cult of Personality. We were shocked by CM Punk having it in his. Uh, oncoming music for his wrestling. We were shocked that the song made it onto Guitar Hero. Yep. It's been in a few movies and a few HBO specials. So, yes, the answer is we're, we're very surprised but thrilled. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. And probably my favorite Living Color track is Funny Vibe. Do you still perform that song live and how is that song received? <laughs> <laughs> that song is received well. Excuse me. First of all, yes, we are still doing it live, and you will hear it in Australia. Excellent. But, you know, funny vibes still happen to us and still happen to people, and all you have to do is turn the television on or walk down the street or listen to almost any politician open his or her mouth, yeah. and you'll hear funny vibes. So uh, the, song is, the song is real and present, unfortunately. Yep. And yes, we're going to perform it. Uh, uh, we, we, I love playing that song as well, too. It's a, it's a fun song with great parts. But um, Vernon was inspired to write that song by getting in an elevator and having an a, a older white woman clutch her purse as he entered into the mm. elevator. Yeah. So uh, that that's what inspired that song uh, for him. But yeah, the, the vibes are funny, and you know you can see enough things I think on on YouTube and on the news to to for sure. unfortunately still assign those lyrics and that and that song to today's lifestyle. So Vernon founded the Black Rock Coalition in 1985, and I've read that the movement was partly established with a goal to show that black musicians could play more than just R&B and hip-hop. So when you look at rock and metal in 2017, do you feel that African-American artists are fairly represented, or have we got some way to go? we still got some way to go, but it's just interesting how you, you, you read about rock and roll and you hear about rock and roll and you listen to rock stations and black people invented the music i will boldly say it it's mm -hmm. created by african-americans yeah, agreed yep. and there's no other art form i know of in the world um that you can't i don't think a classical station would ever play music and say that the music is not european i don't think a magazine would ever come out and state that uh, beethoven's music isn't european or the concert the, the symphony that I played last night's music is from zimbabwe yeah you know, uh, I don't see those kind of things happening. So yeah, uh, um, it's it's a it's a it's a fact, and it's an avoided one. And the truth is there, the facts are there, and we're we have been thrilled more recently to be a part of the Smithsonian African American Museum of Art and Culture. Yes, I saw that. that. Yeah, that congratulations on that. Forever. Yeah. Colors there, and thank you very much. I'm I'm proud to being there, and I'm I'm, I'm my, my family was able to see everything, and 
and and little Richard's in there and a lot of people who helped us. And being from the Bronx, I saw some of my childhood friends, my schoolmates, Karras One and Chuck D. And so it's 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 really important that those things exist. But I just find it still astounding that there's there is that avoidance of the roots of the music and it doesn't seem to happen with reggae or funk or R and B or classical music, but it seems to happen with rock and roll. So you know, there we have a to continue doing what we're what we're doing and the great young bands like Unlocking the Truth that are coming out and still setting that setting that tone. And it's not a it's not a racist statement to make. It's just a real statement to make and uh, in my opinion, in in its reality, it should be represented. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. And look, the next question harks back to something that I, I spoke about at the beginning of our, our call, which uh, which is about you as a as a renowned and influential drummer and a percussionist. Um, tell me a bit about your drumming. What got you into drumming, and what keeps you motivated? Well, my older brother played, and I was really fortunate. He was a great drummer, he was a prodigy. He stopped playing it around age um, 20, 21, and that's when I started, I was about 16. But I grew up in a fantastic community in the Bronx. Um, Steve mm-hmm. Jordan, fantastic drummer and producer, lived around the corner from me. And uh, Errol Punk in Bedwood, he was an amazing drummer and musician. He played classical piano, he played an amazing bass, and he was an awesome drummer. And he's one of the pioneers of selling beats to labels as early as 1972. So he saw the future of hip-hop and, and rap way before there was even an industry for it. And he was my neighbor. He's an amazing drum set player. So where did I get the inspiration from? My brother, his friends, my neighbors. And one thing led to another. New York's a fantastic city to grow up in. So during my youth, they had you know jazz in the park for free and, and uh, Latin guys and a lot of Caribbean drummers playing hmm. in this area of the northeast Bronx called Orchard Beach. And I used to go to Orchard Beach every Sunday, and there was a lot of Puerto Ricans and Cubans and Haitians, Dominicans out there playing a lot of Latin music. So I would sit down and watch the guys for hours. Uh, there were lots of bands playing at parks during that time. Mm-hmm. They had really great bands. We covered Earth, Wind, and Fire, or covered Mahavishnu, or Excellent. covered Led Zeppelin, or the Gang. So it was a it was a great community. It was a, it was a, a, a fantastic example and inspiration for me to play. It was, I started right here in my own community. Fantastic. And um, can you tell me a little bit about your relationship with Australian fans and audiences over the years? We first came down. It was really fantastic to get the response we received on Stain. We were turned away from coming to Australia two or three times prior due to our scheduling, mainly the Rolling Stones tour. So when we finally had the opportunity to come and and, and play on the Stain tour, it was awesome for Sony Australia to, to, to present us with our gold and platinum records that were, at that time, 40, four years old. <laughs> but, um, yep. yeah, the fans have always supported us from day one, and I've come down on my own for my own projects, and and for for holidays and most recently with Mike Stern in Melbourne at the Bedbird's basement and it's always a fantastic vibe to come down to Australia and play. The fans have been loyal, they supported us over the years. We've received lots of online messages about our music even when we weren't present in Australia. So yeah. we're looking so forward to coming back and performing. 
Look, I've got three questions that I'd like to ask you because I do do a lot of interviews. So, uh, Will, I'd like you to humour me here and play along if that's okay. And uh, your answers can be as not safe for work as you like. Um, so three questions. Here goes. Here's the first one. Okay. Choose three words to describe yourself. Real, free, and black. Wonderful. Second question is, if you could go back to when you were 18 years of age and give yourself some advice, what would you say? Get more rest. It's <laughs> good advice. Finally, what five guests, living or dead, would you invite to dinner? Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. Oh, five? I'm sorry, five. you said five? Yeah, five guests, that's it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, uh, Malcolm X is one. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King would be two. Miles mm-hmm. Davis would be three. Jimi Hendrix would be four. Wow, five would be, um, uh, that's a tough one. I'll put myself in there. Can we bold enough? Because wow. I'd love to go along to that one. <laughs> 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 okay, it's legal, man. You can throw your name in the pot. No worries. <laughs> Come along as a guest. Wonderful, mate. Well, Will, it's been a pleasure. Um, I would definitely uh, be uh, in the audience. Uh, yeah, okay, that's that's that's... That's something that, uh, uh, those are difficult questions, but thank you very much for arranging the interview for me. No worries at all. Okay, see you, mate. I'll see you down here. Cheers. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that interview subject was Will Calhoun from Living Colour. Thank you so much for listening.